Welcome to Agency for Agents, a podcast for real estate team leaders and independent brokerage owners looking to maximize profits, effectiveness, and gain freedom for their team and business. Your hosts, Christine Andreasen and Aaron Hendon, have been running one of the most successful real estate teams in the Seattle area for more than eight years. They know building a winning team means finding ways to empower, nurture, train, and develop individual agents to discover their own power, their own agency. On the podcast, Christine and Aaron interview thought leaders in real estate and personal growth to help you impact both your performance and your teams. We know it takes a lot, and leaders and brokers that crack that code reap the rewards of success greater than any they could ever achieve on their own. There you are. All right. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Do you go by Chris or Christopher? Chris is fine. All right. Good. Well, I'm Christine, so that'll be easy for you to remember. Sure. All right. So first of all, tell me, how's your market there? Is it shifting like ours? Uh, you know what? A little bit, but it's still, there, there's been so many buyers and so little inventory that the shifting is now, uh, there's a little bit more homes than there were back in the winter time, but there's still so much demand and so little inventory that it's still a hot market, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say, I mean, there's a little bit more inventory coming across, but not much. I mean, you know, if you just look across the board at inventory from other brokerages and other agents, it's still very low. I mean, it's really low. <laughs> yeah. Same here, except for three weeks ago, we went from getting like 15 offers to getting two. Yeah, I mean, there is uh, in some areas, like, for example, there's a there's a hot investor market near us in Trenton. And um, maybe about a, a month ago, there was like nothing. And now there's more stuff coming up. So that's a positive. I think because um, before it was just too extreme. I mean, it's just too far as seller's market. I mean, it's just yeah, too it much. was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the topics we've been asking everybody now, you know, now that there are markets, you know, I don't know about you, but in Seattle here, we could put a house way below value and it would bid itself up anyways. So, I yeah. mean, you, you could not underprice a listing six months ago. Yeah, well, even last year, I actually I was kicking myself because um, I had a listing opportunity, and the seller wanted five hundred and thirty thousand, and I said, "Well, maybe at five hundred, I could verify, I could, I could justify five hundred max." And that was even pushing it a little bit. And I said, "I don't know, you know, if he would even sell at five thirty. And then I, I declined it. And then I checked, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I said, "You know what? What happened in that house?" I checked oh, it no. for five sixty. I said, "Come on, you got to be kidding me." So right. it's just ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think you just you just named you just answered the question we've been asking this month is nowadays that's not the case here. So now we have listings, you know, that normally we could say put it on for eight hundred, it'll go over a million. That's how it is here. Now that's not the case. So the question we've been asking is, do you take it at their price? And know that you can, you know, because they're saying I might not get multiple offers. I want five thirty. Or do you say, nope, we got to go lower and still hope for a bidding war? You know, are you somebody uh, that believes a sign in the yard is better than a sign in the trunk? Sounds like no. No, it depends on the situation, to be honest. I mean, in that particular situation, 
the seller was very, I was like, I said to him, I said, look, I mean, if we can't sell it at 530, are you okay with adjusting the price? And he's like, nope, I want 530. I'm not. And he seemed to be maybe a little bit harder to work with than somebody who's more lenient and they're more willing to work with you. So I didn't want to tell him, yeah, I'll put it up. And then we don't get any offers and they're upset with me. And I didn't tell them that up front, you know? So it depends on the situation and how I feel, how I feel with that individual really. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a, um, I think it's a really important thing to pick people. Like you just said something that sparked my my thinking. I just let a nine hundred thousand dollar buyer go because he keeps calling our seller go because he keeps calling me drunk, and I'm like, I don't need that in my life. No, so- I, yeah, there's certain things you don't need. Like in the, I know in the beginning of my career, I had a guy that, uh, well, not really. I guess it was like midway into my career. This guy. I called him up for, it was an expired listing, called him up and um, we got the listing. And then while we were signing the documents, he was on the phone with a rental car company and he was obscene with like just shouting and screaming at them. And I'm like, oh man, this is what I'm going to be getting into. I'm like, this is just a matter of time. And sure enough, you know, he wasn't getting a certain price. And then he started berating me and this and that. I said, you know what? I just released him. I said, I'm, I'm done. I don't need this. I know it's, it's tough too. I mean, I've got new agents on my team. Do you run a team or are you solo? Yeah, no, I have a small brokerage. So I have uh, two agents now I'm bringing on a third one. Well, probably as soon as they finish their, I have a guy that's coming on board that has license a while back and now he wants to get back into it again. So he's coming on board in probably a few weeks. Um, So it's three, it'll be three agents and then an office administrative assistant and myself. So good for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough because those new agents, you know, we have a huddle call every morning with 15 of our agents and I was sharing with them about the drunk guy and letting that listing go and they wanted it. And I'm like, no, you don't. But how do you want, right? Certain people are going to be just a liability legally, or they're just not worth the the stress. Emotionally. Yeah. 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 I think that's one of our, as, as team leaders, I think that's something that we really have to you know, and still in our teams pretty early on. Otherwise they're going to take everything and be everybody's beck and call boy or beck and call girl. And yeah, actually one of, one of my agents just closed the listing that um, the guy was high and cold throughout the entire time. He accepted the offer. Then he said, no, I don't want it anymore. And then he said, okay, fine. And they got past all the contingencies and then it got to the closing and he said, I'm not signing it. And then the buyer was like, well, we're going to sue you. And then he's like, oh, I don't care, you know, sue me or whatever. And I'm like, all right, so we're going to have to start looking in the commission claims. And then luckily, I don't know what happened it was between the attorney, him and the buyer. They worked something out and he signed the docs and that was it. But that was like, you're like, good riddance. Yeah, good riddance. Exactly. And he, he had other properties that he wanted to sell. And I told and the agent was like, well, should I? deal with this? I'm like, honestly, I don't think he should because it's a legal liability. And then what if he does the same thing and we ha- and actually we have to go and sue him this time? You know, it's just certain people are just not worth it. <laughs> that's so great. I think that's so great that that's how you stand, where you stand with your team because it's protecting their mental well-being. Yeah. You know, which is one of our jobs. Yeah. And that's what was, that was a big issue with this guy. It's like, she was hot and cold too. It's like, Oh, what do I do? I'm like, you know what? We just got to roll with it. And you know, you can only control so much. So let's just roll with it and we'll play. We'll take it as it comes. I mean, we, you know, and I said, don't let it bring down your whole day. Cause that's what was going on. I just have a conversation with him. And if it was a bad conversation, then she was messed up for like the rest of the day. Totally. So. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. 
Good. I love it. I love it. So it sounds like, well, it doesn't even sound like you're clearly on the side of business is not worth doing it. It's not worth doing it if it's going to cost you your mental well-being. Or yeah. like the question we've been asking, you know, the, is a sign in the yard better than a sign in the trunk? I don't think so. Not if it's not going to sell, it's going to damage your reputation. Sounds like you stand right where we stand. Yeah, I would say that. That's what I would say. I don't like taking on, I mean, there's a brokerage near me. They take on, there they were at least before the market became the way it is. They were taking on just way overpriced listings and they would just sit for six months to a year and then not sell. And then we would be calling them on expired a lot of the time. So and it just does damage <laughs> to your reputation. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, if they want to go and list it for 200000 more, then fine. I mean, we'll talk to you when it doesn't sell. See you in six months, right? Exactly. We'll see you in six months when you're ready to yeah. rock and roll. Yeah. All right. All right. Good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So tell me, what would you say? What would you offer anybody that's a rock star agent thinking about getting their own team or opening their own brokerage? I mean, because we both know being a baller agent does not mean being a baller broker manager, right? There are different games. So what would you say for anybody who says, I'm thinking about opening up my own brokerage or I'm thinking, or even if they're not, they just want to run their own team. What do they really need to look for or look at or be prepared for? Yeah, I think they really have to be prepared financially. I mean, you have to know your numbers. You got to know how much things cost. You got to really look at your financials all the time. I mean, some people get into the agent business and they don't look at it like a business. They look at it as like they're just an employee and, you know, they're closing deals and great. And then they, they get to the end of the year. Oh, I got to do my taxes. Oh, how much am I going to have to pay? I mean, ah. you know, that's kind of like basic stuff for when you're, you know, running a business, whether you're an agent or you're a broker. I mean, I always looked at it as, even though I was an agent, I still treated it as a business. And I think some agents don't do that. And I think it's important to treat it as a business. And by doing that, you need to look at your financials and know your numbers all the time. I mean, weekly, monthly, you know, you need to know where you're at because the business changes too. So like this year, I had to scale back, you know, just because the inventory has been so tight, I actually had to scale back on some of the marketing just so it would line up with where we needed to be with the expenditures versus what was coming in. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, what do you think your biggest spend is? Uh, I do a lot of, so are you talking about more so like marketing listings or bringing agents into the company? Both. I mean, so, I mean, I, you know, we ask a lot of people, I, I'm somebody who doesn't believe in feeding the beast. I no longer pay Zillow, right? But I used to put yeah. a lot of money there, but I still put thousands and thousands of dollars a month into realtor.com and then also mm -hmm. into recruiting. What do you think? You know, and this is, we're gearing this towards like a broker, a broker owner, somebody who wants to open their own brokerage or somebody that wants to run their own team. What's their biggest spend? Yeah. So I would say um, direct mail is probably my biggest spend. Um, really? It's also given me some wow. of the best rates of return. I got into other marketing avenues like Facebook and things like that. But Facebook, I haven't, honestly, I haven't seen anything quality come out of that. You know, I put a lot of money into that, but I can't justify the, the cost. Um, Isn't that amazing? You're doing farming, just a geographic farm. Yeah. So the direct mail that includes uh, geographic farming, it includes, um, you know, expired for sale by owners, um, and then uh, what was he? Oh, so also to uh, sphere of influence. So I have a book of past clients and, and people that I know that get 
Uh, they get cal- a calendar every year. They get uh, cards throughout the year. They get different things that we send out to keep uh, to keep me and the company top of mind. Yeah. And that way, when they're ready to do business, they come to, to me. Um, so you got that. And then you got your, your direct mail, which is the geographic farming. These are people that you haven't met. The people that I've met are going into that kind of sphere of influence marketing. So I got kind of two things going on there. Um, and then, you know, you have more targeted, like uh, I just started getting into some probate mailers. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But that was originally how I started in the business. It was actually on the investment side. I was uh, sending out mailers to buy investment properties on, on probate. So now I've kind of, I still do that once in a while, but the mailers I'm sending out are geared towards getting those people as listings rather than just buying them. Awesome. 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 All right. Good. Well, that's a lot of great info for somebody. So thanks for sharing all that. Okay. Well, one question that we always love to end with, what book are you reading? What's your favorite book of the moment? Yeah. So uh, I don't know, I guess I got a couple of books, but I think one of the ones that I recently read is hold how to uh, find, buy, and uh, rent houses for wealth. And that's pretty good. Uh, oh. It just talks about buying and holding and, you know, building up a rental Who portfolio. Who wrote what it? That? Who's the author? Uh, that is Steve Shader. Actually, I noted, notated this. It was on one of your, your questions. <laughs> oh, we told you we were going to ask that? Yeah, well, you know, the, whatever you sent me for this, it included some questions. And then it was uh, books or shows that you recommended. So... Yeah, that's all on there. And you were uh, ahead of the game here with that one. Yeah. And then the other one, honestly, the other one I read uh, all the time is the Bible. You know, I get a lot of uh, things out of that. It helps me, you know, in my daily endeavors and uh, anybody else that wants that's interested, I recommend that. (laughs) Yeah. Your daily inspiration, huh? Absolutely. Is that part of your morning practice? Do you do like a miracle morning or any practice in the morning? Yeah, you know, one of the things I do is uh, I read, um, I had a goal a couple of years ago just to get through the entire Bible because I said, you know, everybody kind of has an opinion on it and um, I just want my own, you know, opinion. So I just set aside, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, read one chapter and I got through it. And then now I just continue reading different chapters and different things that I, that I like and, you know, whatever I happen to read that day. But yeah, I do that in the morning, just like brushing my teeth. You know, you brush your teeth every day. Sure. I get up, brush my teeth and read a chapter and I get ready to go to work. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask you, because I know we kind of went to a couple different topics today, but anything you wanted to share with people today that I didn't ask? No, I mean, you know, I think we covered some good stuff. I don't think that, you know, I can't really think of anything, to be honest, for the moment that really stands out that I should mention. The only thing I would say is one thing that I am getting into now is SEO, just because I I know some other people in the business that have had some good success, but it's a long-term practice. And from my Are you doing that for building business or building your brokerage? Both, actually, because through SEO, it kind of builds up, you get the results through building up your reputation as well as the marketing exposure. So I think it kind of works hand in hand. Whereas if you're just doing online advertising, you're not building up so much credibility and you're just sending stuff out there and getting your name in front of people. But the SEO aspect actually, in my opinion, helps to build up more credibility, more PR and get leads in when you're doing it successfully. 100% agree. Awesome for you. Good for you. 
All right, my friend. Well, thanks for spending 20 minutes today uh, here sharing and really contributing to other rock stars in the industry. Uh, it was delightful meeting you, and I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day. Yeah, you as well. Thank you for your time. Pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, you too, Chris. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Abundant Life Podcast, brought to you by Christine and & Company and eXp Realty, the global online brokerage powered by top agents and cutting-edge technology. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Your hosts have been award-winning brokers, Christine Andreessen and Aaron Hendon. For more on them, visit christineandcompany.com.